Hey guys, you are listening to the Rima Travel Podcast, which brings the message of Jesus Christ to the lost all across the globe. Today's speaker is our own pastor, Reverend Samuel Donkoporte, pastor of Rima Travel, Bielefeld, Germany. Hope you enjoy the message. So last week we were taking a look at a couple of things and uh, I want us to move into that area once again. I'm sure that most of you are aware of the statistics that we we have to deal with. Let me put it that way. The statistics we, we, we are compelled to deal with. And you know, the statistics are not nice. Sometimes they are not nice at all. So, because of some of those things, when uh, we are taking our Bible lesson today, please, I want you to understand it in a particular context. The thing that is under attack that is the thing you need to spend your time to protect. It's normal in life. You don't send guards to go and protect something when the thing is in safety. But anything that is a target of attack is the one that you need to focus on and protect. We were talking about working with God, do's and don'ts, if you remember. How many of you remember we were talking about that? Good. So, the point is that we cannot really talk about every do and every don't. Because when you are talking about people who are following the Lord, we are not following rules. We are following a spirit person. God is a spirit. And because you follow God who is a spirit person, you cannot really put do's and don'ts and allow it to be the ones that guide people. You know, in the spirit, in Christ, there is no law. The only law that is in Christ is the law of love. So, the do's today may become the don'ts tomorrow. Let me try to explain myself. How many of you know that uh, if you were going to go and marry somebody who I know is a prostitute, this man of God here, I will not officiate that wedding. How many of you know that? But haven't anybody read in the Bible where God told a prophet to go and marry a prostitute? So, so when, when you are considering things about God, be careful that you don't build what I call very high walls and think that that is all that God can do and you try to confine God within your walls because God is higher than any wall you can build. So, based upon that, I like to say that do's and don'ts are meant to be guidelines to us so that it will help us. When the Spirit is talking, we can more easily recognize the voice of the Spirit. Are you okay with me? So, I just want to go quickly to um, the recap of what we were doing. Number one, last week we said that God exists in a state of entire consecration to pour forth blessings upon his creatures whenever it is possible to do so. And the key word is whenever it is possible to do so. Why? Because God always takes pleasure 
in doing good. And uh, God always takes pleasure to prosper people who are connected to him. Now, if that is the case, then it actually means that if you ever get close to God, God will definitely bless you. Now, if God doesn't bless you, then it is possible that there is something that prevented God from doing it. And these are some of the things that we were talking about. The second thing we went on to say is that if you want to please God, then you need to remove the obstacles out of the way of the exercise of his benevolence. If you really, really want to please God, then please remove everything out of God's way because the only way God is really pleased is if he has the freedom to bless you like he wants to. God wants to bless you until you cry. But most of the time, he is hindered from it. And whatever causes a hindrance to his ability to bless, that same thing becomes a means of stifling his joy and his happiness when it comes to your life. Let's take the case of you being a father. If you have a daughter or you have a son that you love, what you want is the best for them. And you are not looking for the best for them because of some reward you want to get. It just gives you joy to see them move and be okay and to have things. You know, the very fact that they are happy gives you joy. That is a reward in itself. Well, The issue is that most of us do not understand God. That is the thing we were talking about last week. That the very nature of God is to do good. And God is never happier doing anything other than showing favor to people, being gracious to people, blessing people. Anytime God is doing that, that is the very true nature of God you are seeing. Some of you, these kinds of statements are a challenge to your perception and your concept of God. Because for some of us, when we were growing up, God was, the picture that was created in our minds about God was this man, you know, this big man, a little bit of gray hair, with a huge stick, who is going around looking for an occasion to begin to beat us with a stick. So that if he asks you to do something, it is almost as if he's just praying that you will make some mistake in what he asks you to do. So that he will be justified to bring that stick down upon you. Now this is the picture that most of us were given about God. And the problem sometimes which doesn't help us is that when you read the Bible, which was not written in English, but written in Hebrew. And then, of course, if you read the New Testament, which was written in the Koine Greek, which means the everyday, the street Greek of the day. When you read in those languages, you begin to understand some things which is still hidden from us. Because certain translations 
are not exactly as true as they ought to be. So when we just just read like that, we begin to have a certain picture which is unintended. You know, every language has got its limitations. Some languages are so rich and powerful that they are able to express almost every form of thing. Some languages, the moment it is spoken, you know who is doing something and what uh, or to whom that it, he is doing the thing. You already know whether the thing that is being done is something that is being actively done or something that is being permitted to happen. So there are a lot of times in the Bible where things that were permitted to happen, uh, they are translated to mean that God was actually orchestrating them. Do you understand me? And you know, there is a difference when you know that somebody is allowing something to happen. And then when you can also differentiate from when they are actually actively causing something or doing something to you. Because you see, I may allow something negative to happen uh, to my son or my daughter simply because at that particular point in time, my hands are tied. I cannot do anything. To try to do something will make me also an accessory to a crime. So that one, one, one thing that is wrong is enough. It's not enough to have two wrong things. Are you, are you okay with me? And so many times in the scriptures, so many things about God doesn't reflect the true nature of God. But if you really want to be blessed by God, you need to begin to understand who God is. And that is important. God is not good to you because you are good. God is not good to you because you've got your act together. God is not good to you because you are the man who, you know, you have evolved. Let me put it this way. You have evolved. You have come to the place where you have eliminated all your weaknesses. So now, when they look at an angel and they look at you, there's no difference. That's not the issue and that's not the case. When God is blessing a person, he's blessing a person because he loves to do so. And actually, most of the time, God is very, very close to a person when they are suffering. Somebody will say, okay, if God is very close to people when they are suffering, then why is it that they die from hunger in Haiti? Why is it that the Hurricane Katrina or whatever hurricanes you might choose to call them, they just come upon people, pull their houses apart, kill many people? Well, the fact is, although God is close to those people, there are times he can't do anything about what is going on. Why am I saying that? Some people do not understand that our world is deeper than you know and bigger than you know. Some people do not know that really if God will do anything good in the earth concerning men, somebody somewhere has to be on their knees. So you see, God is always willing to do good. Always. Always. 
I hope that you will settle that in your mind. Settle it once and for all that God is always, always, always willing to be gracious. That is a nature and a character of God that he wants to show to everybody. We, we settled that last week. And, and, and I'm saying that because it wasn't everybody who is here today who was there last week. Please get this thing right. God is happy to do good to you. God is looking for an opportunity to be gracious to you, to show you favor and to bless you. Do you know that a lot of times, the only way you actually change a sinner is when God actually blesses them even though they were still sinning? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes God has gone out of his way to do some good things to people who were cursing him. And the moment they realize that what? It is God who did this thing to me. They are like, what? How do I have a justification to keep on calling me a bad person? When in the midst of me fighting against him, this is what he has done for. So they get disarmed. And the thing that they used to destroy now, they now become the champions of that thing. That is the nature and the character of God. So, so, so today, I just want to recap on those ones so that you get to understand. I think the third point we also talk about is that God never violates the moral principles of his government. How many of you remember that we said that? That God never violates the moral principles of his government. We said that God was a covenant keeper. Meaning that when God has a covenant with you, he will keep his covenant. He won't break it. The last person who will look for an occasion to come out of an agreement will never be God. It may be you. Because you see, some people, when they sign agreements with you, it is for their advantage. If God ever has any agreement with you, it is not for his advantage because he doesn't need anything from you. The real thing that he needs from you is you yourself. He needs your heart. So he is not going to come out of any agreement just like the people that you know. Uh, yeah, if anybody has taken insurance in Deutschland, you know what I'm talking about. They are happy to take your money. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. They are taking your money. The day an issue happens, you put in a claim for them to pay you back for those things. That is when they are going to look at everything under the microscope. <laughs> and what are they doing? They are trying to look for a reason to say, no, you don't qualify for that. And I know what I'm talking about because I've been through some of those things. God is a keeper of covenant. God would never break his covenant to you. The mercy of God is over your life. This is the reason why you never died the last time you made a mistake. Some people, they jump the red light even before they realize it. But a lot of people have died jumping the red light. So how come that you jumped the red light and yet you survived? Hey, do you understand me? God doesn't break his covenant. If your mama is somebody who is serving God, God knows that you are connected to that covenant through your mama. If your papa is serving God, 
God knows you are connected to that covenant through your papa. Even sometimes if you have a grandfather serving God, that covenant, God recognizes it. And because of that, you may not be serving God as you should, but God always recognizes that that grandfather there, he has an interest in you. For that reason, God will go out of his way to do you good. So you see, God doesn't break the moral principles of his government. Now, if that is the case, then there are things that we don't need to do. And we were saying, I don't know whether we got there, but one of the things we don't need to do is we don't need to complain. Hallelujah. Do you know that anybody who complains, they use words? The same words you use to complain, you can use that same words to pray. So, so complaining will not help you, but praying will. Complaining will only draw people who are sympathizers around you. And the moment you begin to complain, the announcement is, I have become a victim. So you will draw sympathizers who will come and mourn with you. But after your mourners have left, your soul will still remain. But when you use that same energy and say, God, I don't understand this. I'm coming so that you sort me out. It can well be that it is a mistake that I have made. It can well be that it is a mistake maybe a son or a daughter of mine has made. Or perhaps it is also a mistake that somebody in my family is making. Let me tell you one story. There was a story of a certain woman who married a pastor. But she had a daughter before she married the pastor. And uh, unfortunately, the papa of that uh, lady had abused uh, the girl before. So she came to marry this, uh, this man with a woman or with a girl that has been damaged, as you put it this way, damaged emotionally and psychologically. Well, certain things began to happen. Because you see, when you don't share the same spirit with somebody, you must understand that there will be classes. So here they came to this house and this man is a praying man. And the spirits that entered into this girl because of the abuse that she went through, they don't agree with the man. So a lot of strange things are happening. The man is praying, he's doing everything he needs to do, annoy the house, etc., etc. Yet something seems to be happening strange. So eventually, when they went to see God, the answer is, when you seal your place through prayer spiritually, this girl opens the spiritual doors again. This is how these spirits are able to come in. Lord, how can it be? I am the father of the house. I should be able to overrule. Yes, you are the father of the house. But that child too is a legal occupant of the house. So in the same way that you can go out of a door by opening to go out, she also have a right to either go out or come in. So that is how it was. 
Eventually, they have to call and sit there down and say, look, this area you are moving in is a very dangerous area. It may make you feel powerful, but eventually it will destroy you. He said, no, me, I'm not ready to give it up. Because as far as I am concerned, I would never be a victim again the second time. So, they saw the only way to help is she's 18, she's old enough. Let's look for a house for her and pay so that she can move. They looked for another house for her. She moved in. They were paying the bills until she gets the means to be able to pay her own bills and she moved out. Guess what? When they prayed and they see the place, those spiritual, those entities that come to invade the house, things are falling without anybody, uh, uh, what do you call it, touching them. Things are moving without, everything stopped just like that. Just like that. What am I trying to say? Sometimes there is something connected to me that is fighting the blessing. So instead of complaining, whereby I remain in the same place and those things, they remain uh, in their position of uh, persecution or position of harassment, when I go to God and I talk to God, I will be able to have the information that exposes them so that we can put them away permanently. Hallelujah. So you see, that story gives us an idea that anytime something goes wrong, we shouldn't complain. And the reason we shouldn't complain is that if anything goes, goes wrong, it's not God. If you sin and you get sick, don't say, God wants to punish me so he puts sickness on me. God will not put sickness on you. When you sin, when you, when you sin, God will talk to you. The Bible says what? He will convict you. Why? Because he's not interested in the death of the sinner. Like every good father, he will talk to you and make you realize that that thing is not good. So change your ways. Some people believe that when they are sick, it is God who made them sick because he wants to get glory to it. I don't know what glory God is going to get from a servant who cannot serve him. I mean, if you are sick, can you be able to go to work? So, how much glory is your employer getting to be happy that you are sick? If your employer cannot get any glory from you being sick, then God doesn't also get any glory from you being sick. It's as simple as that. I'm trying to explain some things. Good, then we went on to say that number two, we shouldn't be despising the word of God. I think we, 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 we mentioned a couple of scriptures, Numbers chapter 1, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, 4 to 6, etc., etc. And then we also went on to say that it is not a good idea that we should doubt the word of God. Why? Because God is always ready to fulfill his word. So, number one, don't complain. Number two, don't despise the word. When you despise the word of God, simply what you do is you choose to ignore the word and uh, go and do what you want to do. When we're growing up, our parents were going to Orthodox churches. You know, most of them, I mean, this Presby church, etc., etc. And when something serious happens and people offend them, 
Or when they lose some things, they say, ah, this one, I'm not going to allow it. I'll put my babu aside. This one, we are going to the mala. We want to find out who took this thing. A Christian cannot go to the mala. A Christian cannot go to the juju shrine to go and prepare that rope because they are suspecting somebody. If the rope catch him, then he is the one who stole the thing. A Christian can't do that. Because the moment you move into that territory, you have despised the word of God. The word of God clearly tells you that these entities, they are beneath me. If you go to them, you are making me jealous or you are trying to make me jealous. And I am a jealous God. God says that. So we don't despise the word of God. When you do that as a Christian, you have moved into very dangerous territory. You may have a temporary relief or a temporary solution to whatever problem it is that you went to the Juduma or to the Okotis for. But trust me, payday will come. Something greater is going to happen. And it may go beyond you yourself, your life, because it may begin to attack your children, your children's children, your children's children after them. It may create a whole situation where you become victims throughout your generations. Please, let's watch out about that. Then uh, we also went on to say, don't take the Holy Spirit for granted. That was precisely from, uh, from Numbers uh, 20, 11, 25 to 29. We said it is not a good thing to take the Holy Spirit for granted. Then we went on to say that uh, competition in the house of God is not a good thing. Remember what happened when Aaron and uh, Miriam, they also felt that if this guy speaks in the morning, then I must also speak in the afternoon. If he blesses the people when they are going to bed, then when they are waking up, it is me, it's my time to pray. Moses doesn't know everything. Miriam, I was the one who took him as a baby and said, look, are you looking for somebody who will take care of this child? Can I call some, somebody for you? It is me, Miriam, who went and called the mama of the child because I know the woman. Now today, he is a small boy. He wants to rule over us. And Africans have got that kind of problem. When you are the last one, you must always be small. It doesn't matter whether you are sister, you still have gray hair on your head. You must still be the small boy. And I'm not saying that just because I have grown now, I will disrespect my elder brother or sister. No. But they should also treat me like a grown up. And some of you, please, treat your children according to their age. Grown up simply means they have grown enough to be responsible. So if they have grown up enough to be responsible, then you have to begin to trust them. To tell them what you expect of them and to trust them to do it even when you are not looking. But if you want to treat them like little children all the time and talk to them anyhow when they are in public, especially when they are with their peers, you know, you talk to them anyhow. If you do that, you are creating a wedge between you and your children. How about if God were to talk to you anyhow? How about if you came to church and then Pastor Samuel is here 
and then the word of knowledge, and God is telling me everything that happened to you from January to now. And then God is saying somewhere, say it, say it for everybody to say. How about that? How will you feel about that? Do you realize that God never does that? But how many of you know that there's nothing you have ever done that is hidden from God? There are some things that I'm sure you'll be even very, very uh, shy that it is repeated even to a close friend. And yet, God knows all that one. And he is not going around trying to broadcast those things on the housetop. Please, let's learn. Let's learn. Competition is not a good thing. We said also that discrimination is also something that is not good before God. Remember what we were saying about discrimination? They just look for occasion because Moses married, uh, you know, whether you like it or not, me, this black is, is nice. It's nice for me. It's nice for me. But the fact is, even if I don't like it, can I change it? So those of you that are doing the frontal face Coca-Cola body, watch it well. <laughs> it's a good idea to receive with gratitude what God made you to be. And be happy about it. Me have met some whites who are always saying to me that, ah, I wish I had this kind of color. I won't have to be lying in the sun, you know, yeah. You don't need to brown anymore. I've heard people say that. So one of the things that we need to understand is that discrimination was not the reason why people made people or people God created people with variety. They say some people are black. So they have to be the people that uh, the police will always shoot. Some people are white. So they are the ones who are the superior race. Really? I don't know. I may be color blind. But this color here is not black. Because if this is black, then what about this? <laughs> then what about that? And of course, if there's somebody who is white, really white, Hmm. Then I need I need to run when I see such a person. <laughs> because if you have watched this cartoon character before, Casper, then you know what white is. So all these things are just terminologies we are trying to use to differentiate one person's color from the other. But it shouldn't get to the place where it becomes discriminatory. The Bible said. They look at the woman that Moses had married and they decided to use it as a means of castigating him. Did God agree with them? No, because God is not a racist. When you are doing those your discriminating things, know that God will not support you. If whites can be racist, blacks too can be racist. And you need to watch it. Just because you are, you are beginning to deny certain people certain basic things in life because of the color of their skin, that makes you a racist. And I look at people who are complaining about racism and then sometimes I'm wondering, 
I don't think it's a right thing to demand that a white man bow to me or kneel down before me simply because some white man killed a black man. Bowing to me will not change anything. It won't change anything at all because, you see, if everything is about just the aesthetic, what happens on the outside, then when they can kill and nobody will see and there will be no camera, they will do it and get away with it. So the whole point is that discrimination is also one of the things that is not good. My dear friends, if you are part of this church, understand that me, being somebody from a Ghana background and you from a Nigerian background, you are closer to me than my own brother who is not born again. So look at me and see a brother that you have to live with for thousands of years. Because eternity is literally thousands of years until the computer breaks down. You can't calculate anymore. But that brother, if he doesn't change, then maybe the 70 or the 80 years that we spent together, that's all. He goes somewhere, I can't go there. He goes to a place where even if he wants to come to me, he cannot come. So my dear friends, discrimination must not be a good thing. Not in this church. Not in this church. Not in the house of God. Don't discriminate against a person because of the place they are coming from, the language they are talking, or perhaps because you, you came from a rich home. And he's coming from a poor home. Because you are a prince. And he or she is just a common fellow. Well, he may be a common fellow in your eyes. But he's a prince in the eyes of God. And then the final thing I think we said is that don't get smarter than God. And I'll read that scripture for now. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, 21 to 23, we said, it showed that the people were trying to be smarter than God. So Deuteronomy 21, sorry, 121 reads, Behold, the Lord thy God have set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers have said unto thee. Fear not, neither be discouraged. Verse 22. And ye came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land, and bring us away again, by what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. Verse 23. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe. Hallelujah. So we see here where the Lord said to Moses, select 12 men that they go and set out the land. We see how it came about. That when they told Moses, it was okay with Moses, but he wanted to make sure what does God think about it. When he went to God, God said, okay, take 12 men and let them go out and do this assignment. Did God not know that some of these men are going to create trouble for the people? Obviously he does. But did God say anything? If he said no, then he would seem to be like somebody who is a, an arbitrary person, a dictator. Somebody who would say no, go ahead and do it. Listen, 
when God says anything, and you are going to prayer to ask God to do something, be careful that you are not trying to improve upon what God has said. Because if you try to improve upon what God has said, it can be that the outcome will begin to shift because of what you have tried to do. Did you know that it was not part of God's original plan? That Aaron must be Moses' spokesperson. God just told Moses, this is what I want you to do. Moses said, no, I won't go. Me, I can't talk. I tried one time. It didn't work. So now, I have, I have just come to terms with the fact that I can't stand in public and talk. Send another. Send by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the Bible said, God was angry. And then he said, is not Aaron your brother? He said, yes, sir, it's my brother. He said, okay, good. You know what? I am going to make you God to Aaron. So that he will be your mouth. And uh, anything I want you to say, tell Aaron and let him tell the people. Well, it seemed to work for a while. Is that not so? It worked till they were out of Egypt. It worked till they came into the wilderness. Even up to the point where they came to Sinai, everything seems to be working until the day that God asked Moses to come to the mountaintop without Aaron. And when Moses went to the mountaintop, it didn't take too long. The people came to Aaron and they said, hey, you know what? This guy, he was your benchman. Everywhere you go, two of you. Now that he hasn't been around for some time, it is possible he's even there. We don't know anything about that. Make us gods who will lead us out. What did Aaron do? Uh So it meant that Aaron did not have the capacity to play the role he used to play or the role he was playing. He was somebody who was drafted in because of the complaints of people. Be careful what you ask. Be careful what you ask. Because the fact is, God may just give it to you, especially when it's on the blind side. Especially if God didn't do it, you may be thinking that God is trying to withhold something from you. Mind you, devil said to Adam, it is because God wants to keep some good things away from you. That's why he said don't eat. And God is always aware that the devil who said that one, he's still around whispering to people. So now, there are many, many things you may ask God and then God may decide, okay, let me just give it to him. But be careful. Don't try to be smart. Have they not sent those 12 people out to go and spy the land? What do you think would have happened? Because God says go and possess the land. Look, I personally believe that what was happening is that God has gone ahead of them and orchestrated to the people. That these people, they brought their superpower down. These are the people who made America into useless. They have degraded the superpower of the day. So now that they are coming and you guys are not the superpowers, watch it all. If you mess with them, because these people, their God is sealing is seen like that. We, we are serving gods that we don't see directly. But these people, the kind of God that they are, they are serving, they see him, they talk to him, they walk with him. Be careful of them. So they would have come and the people would have advised themselves and part 
Oya and ran away. And if they decide not to run away, then they will only be there for some lightning, something, and that's the end. Remember when God was fighting these people? The battle of Azekah, I call it. Where the Bible said, hailstones were coming from heaven. And the people that died from the hailstones, they were more than the people who actually uh, the children of Israel were killing. Remember this thing about the day that the sun stood still. How many of you remember what I'm saying? Huh, that's what I'm talking about. So God has a thousand and one ways of doing it. Had they just believed God and gone forward, they would have had the victory. Because it is possible that people can gather and God will set confusion among them. And one man will think that these are the Jews. And that one will also look at his brother and think that these are the Jews. And then they begin to fight. And the Jews are like, what is going on? And before they realize, one would have, they would have finished you know, themselves and the Israelites were just moving. Because if God tells you that this land is yours, now go ahead and possess it, it does not mean that there won't be opposition in it. But it just means that the opposition, they are already taken care of. If you just trust God, instead of asking questions, just obey. The results will be amazing. So, what we were saying then is that these are some of the do's and the don'ts. Some of the do's and the don'ts. Now, today, what I want to talk about, and I don't know how much time I have because I didn't set my alarm, but what I want to talk about today is I know that the people I am leading, they are mostly people of my kind of color. And I know also that when you are talking about COVID, if it gets among my people, it mishandles them more than it mishandles a white person. I know some of these figures. Until, I guess, last week, I personally never knew somebody who died from COVID. Personally. Now, Having said that, I just want you to listen to a couple of things. When we are serving God, there's a twofold benefit. The covenant of God has a twofold benefit. The first and the fundamental one is that God saves us from our sins. Because sin always empowers the devil, not God. And you know that anytime the devil has a key, when he comes in, he's coming to steal something. He's coming to kill somebody. He's coming to destroy something. That's what the devil does. So in order to neutralize the devil's ability to steal, kill, and destroy, the first thing that God did was to remove that key of sin from the devil's hand. When you come to Christ, the first thing he wants to do is to take care of your sin. The Bible says that Jesus, who knew no sin, he became sin for us. Why? Because we didn't have the capacity to survive our sins. But because Jesus was not a sinner, he had never sinned before, his body and his spirit and his soul had the capacity to be able to endure sin. Jesus didn't die for us as God. He died for us as a man. And get this one clear. God can never die. If Jesus came as, a go, as God, there will be no way anybody can kill him. 
But because he needed to represent us, he came as a man. And having lived his life as a man, let me say something here. Do you realize that at the age of 12, Jesus was in the temple listening to the Ubuntians of the day, the Igwes of the day in the temple, asking questions and also answering questions for them. Do you realize that? What did he say he was doing? He said he was going about his father's business, meaning he was getting acquainted with his assignment and mission. He was weighing the spirit of the people who were in charge of the house of God. He was weighing the, 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 what do you call, the traditions and the culture and everything that was going on. That's what he was doing. But you know that when they took him away from there, he didn't complain. He went, and from that age of 12 till he was 30, nobody heard about him, what he was doing. One sure thing is, of course, that he went and learned the carpentry that Papa was doing and did everything to stay within the confines of where he lived in Nazareth. He would go to church on Sundays. He learned to read. How he learned to read verses nation. But he can read so well that people trusted his reading more than the reading of other people. So it became a habit. He developed this habit of going to church and being the one to take the scriptures to read it. We read from the scripture. Is that not so? But let me ask you. In all these things, Jesus hadn't begun his ministry. Has he? So, why would God train a person for 30 years? Only to do a ministry of three and a half years. And this is a holy man we are talking about. This is a man who haven't seen at all we are talking about. This is a man who doesn't need for his character to be shaped so much. He just needs to understand people and to know the suffering and the pains people are going through. That's what he needed to do. But that his own character should be shaped. No, he didn't need it. Yet it took 30 years for God to prepare him. Here you are, some of you. You look at yourself and then you say, well, 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 it is too late now. Who told you it is too late for you to fulfill your mission in life? God can train you till 70. Because maybe your real assignment will just take two years. God trained Moses for 80 years, for goodness sake. Only for him to do 40 years of ministry. So for any of you who think that you are too old, your vision has died, think a day. Because scripture doesn't teach that. Am I talking to somebody? But what I want you to notice is simply this, that God has to help us because if we are in Deutschland, we want to trust the medical system so much, it will not help us. The doctors can do some things, but they can't do everything. Even the normal things that the doctors can do. How many of you know that sometimes they say, this thing, if you had come two years earlier, we could have done it. It's too late. Haven't you heard that? They say, this, this drug, if it had come earlier, the drug will work. Now that it's too late, the drug cannot work. So you see, don't go out there and just think that because Jesus died for your sin, 
That's all there is to it. The rest is sharp as aligning. I'll do it on my own. And you go out there, and I've seen too many people who are not honoring the Lord when it comes to their health. And I want to say that if you really know who God is, that he's willing to be gracious to you, you will know that when it comes to your health, he's interested. That he cares so much that he wouldn't want the doctor to make one mistake about you. God would not want somebody to give you the wrong drug you shouldn't have. God would not want you to, to, to be treated by some nurse who doesn't know what he's doing. God would not want you to, you know, to, to be at the receiving end of a mistake. God wouldn't want that. I just want us to look at a couple of scriptures and I'll be closing. Exodus 15, 25 to 26. If you say you know God, that God is gracious, that God is merciful, then know that God didn't take care of your sins alone. Are you being mean? Good. Just know that God didn't take care of your sins alone. He also took care of every limitation that will come on your body. And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Verse 26. And he said, so this is the statutes and the ordinance. And he said, if thou be willing or will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. For I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. Now, this is the Old Testament we are talking about. But even in the Old Testament, God knew he had to heal people. How many of you know? That according to the book of Leviticus, when somebody has leprosy and they are healed, there is a certain set of rituals they must do. You don't read anywhere where it says they should pray for them. Hello? I want you to let's let's be let's be let's be what active in this. God is not saying anywhere where he is saying when somebody is sick, he has a leprosy. He must go for the priest to pray for them. We have that one in the New Testament, but in the Old, it was not. Because everybody who was part of the Old Testament, he was supposed to know what God has said, that God himself is the healer. So when you had the leprosy, what did, who did you go to? You went to God. And if you have dealt with God the way you should deal with God, guess what happened to the leprosy? At a certain point in time, you didn't have it anymore. You went to the high priest. What did the high priest do? He checks you to make sure that what he saw before is no more there. And when it's no more there, you gave a sacrifice, you did what you were supposed to do, and you are back again mainstream. This is what God did for them. So you see, if they didn't need for somebody to pray for them, for them to be healed, why do you think that in the New Testament, you must unbedingt have somebody praying for you for you to be healed? Hello? 
Please listen carefully. It is important for you and I to understand that it is possible that COVID may come knocking at your door. We have prayed, we have believed God. I am trusting God that if that thing touches my body, the fire of God will get it, and that will be the end of the story. But assuming that something happens that way, should your story be the story of some of the things we have heard? Hello? Listen, I'm not saying that this uh, friend of mine that left or that died, he died because he didn't stand in faith. I don't know his situation. He was still in church. He was still serving God. I am told that the church, they were praying for him. So whatever happened, I don't know. But one thing I can tell you is this. You and God are the two major uh, determinants of whatever goes on in your life. So if anything is happening, it is up to you to go to God on the basis of how you understand God to be. Is God a good God? Does God want to be gracious to you? Does he want to help you? Is he looking for occasion to just help you? Well, if those are the cases, then you need to go to God. And when you go to God according to his word, expect, expect, because he's a covenant keeper. Expect that God will do what he said. Because you see, according to this scripture, those of you who are in Christ, you should be looking to God for health. And then number two, for healing. Number one, for health, because it is the will of God that we should remain free of sickness. But you know, it is not every time that we can be free of sickness because sometimes we don't get things right. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes some of the mistakes that we make, it is out of ignorance. But then at other times, there are mistakes that we make because we allow our weaknesses to take the better part of us. If I take ice cream and my body begins to feel funny, just the language of my body tells me that next time the ice cream is like that and I can tell how nice it will be. But if I allow my weakness to come in and, and, and I cannot resist the temptation of taking the ice cream again, then when I take it a second time, I'll have the trouble. Those of you who have experienced allergy before, you know what I'm talking about. Because allergy means that something you actually like. And then you take it and then it is used as a weapon to stir up your own body to fight you. When that is the case, you know that you better be shying away from that thing. Because if you don't shy away from that thing, then you also keep on having the trouble that you have. So I'm saying that sometimes it is weakness. But the Bible is clear to say that God says what? I will put none of the diseases upon you which are brought upon the Egyptians. So I am the Lord who heals you. Did God bring the sicknesses upon the Egyptians? No, not in the sense of somebody carrying a basket of diseases and he goes to where are the Egyptians? Boom, he will dump it on them. That's not the case. But it is a case of God seeing the thing coming and doing nothing about it. And the reason God will do nothing about certain things 
is if your choices themselves determine that he should do nothing. You know, if you, if you determine that you will do certain things, then you must also understand that the results will come by themselves. If you decide to serve the devil, then the results will also come by themselves. If you decide to, you know, to, 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 to follow certain spiritual entities, then you must understand that they are wicked and the time will come when they will turn their weapons on you. What can God do in that case? He can do nothing. Good. So, 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 I guess maybe next week we'll, we'll continue on this one. But let me just end up in Deuteronomy 20, uh, 23, sorry, Exodus 23, 24 to 26. Can you please beam that one quickly? Exodus 23, the verse number 24 reads, Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. Verse 25. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy water, thy bread, and thy water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Verse 26. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Shall we be on our feet? Thank you for taking our time to tune in. For more information on our services, visit our website www.wimachapu.org. You can also join us for our weekly conference calls on Thursdays. More details on our website. Also make sure to check our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube platforms.